Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for Everymind. This week, founder Paul speaks to Myrna Darwood, HR coordinator at the Ladbrokes Coral Group. Myrna gives us a great way to put the pandemic in perspective. Also, the family at Everymind wishes Myrna the best of luck with the newest member of her family. If you like this episode, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. And as ever, enjoy the show. So Myrna, welcome to the Everymind podcast. How are you today? Yes, I'm all good, thank you. Hope you're well. Doing well. Yeah, we were just chatting before I hit record about what's happening and what is your, you know, at this current stage, what could happen? That's my fear at the moment um, because you're obviously due to, to give birth. Is it next Thursday? Yeah, so that, that's going to be my due date. So I don't know, any minute now, we don't know. Yeah, of course. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. Um, I, I, I was when my when my wife was pregnant and um, she was due to have a home birth and I was really cool and casual and then her, her waters broke and, and I panicked and I rung her mom like, oh, quick, get around here, get around here. And everything went out the window. So the calm collected Paul just quickly changed as soon as as soon as it happened. So if you could just hold on till the end of this podcast. OK, cool. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> that'd be amazing um but no thank you so much for for coming on and obviously you did um an interview with the working mind so the working mind.co.uk and we yeah. thought it'd be great to get you on the podcast as well to kind of um just just ask you a couple of questions so if you don't mind can you just start by talking about um you know what you do currently at the moment yeah, so um, I work for GVC as a HR coordinator. Um, so um, I don't know, we, we do everything that's to do with HR, really. Um, anything that's to do with, uh, if there are any issues with our colleagues um, in retail or um, to advise on policies, um, everything. Sometimes I find myself being a counsellor even. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's, it, the role is very, very varied. Um, so I absolutely love it because no two days are the same. Um, but I also have a thing on the side as well. Um, so I'm one of the mental health champions. Um, so I, I do try to fit in activities as much as I can. Um, but because the main role is so busy uh, and so demanding that um, I kind of have to really f- force in the well-being side um, and just to try and, and be there um, for, you know, for my colleagues as much as I can. Um, wow. I'm, not, I'm not the only one who's a mental health champion. So there are um, three other people um, so because it's a global company, so we try to keep up with um, what's going on in, in other offices around the world uh, that work for GVC. So, for example, Vienna, Gibraltar, um, there are offices there as well. So they do different activities and, and we share our ideas. Nice. And I guess like this, you know, last couple of months has been a very sort of busy period for you. Um, trying to juggle everything so so kind of you know what have you learned personally over the last couple of months well personally on a person uh, like as in how how i've coped at work or like sort of how i've coped on a personal level at home or what what do you mean a bit of everything i mean i guess like you know we speak to a lot of hr professionals and you know let's be honest they've, they've had to deal with a lot of changes and and they've had a lot of work thrown on their sort of plates as well and then at the same time yeah. as you say you know dealing with it personally having to be locked down in, on your own and obviously pregnant and yes. you know, i can kind of only imagine so kind of you know how's how's it been for you the last couple of months 
Um, yeah, there has been a lot of things that we've had to um, adapt to and learn as well. Things like furlough, how that's calculated, because um, we advise on pay as well. We work very closely with payroll. Um, so you having to learn something new and then um, speaking to our colleagues in retail about it and our colleagues in retail would think that we know absolutely everything and we really try to um, learn about everything in order to advise correctly and then every now and then obviously the rules would change and then you just feel a little bit lost because there's so much responsibility on you you feel like you know you are there and, and they're depending on you to advise them correctly and to calculate their pay correctly and all of that so um every now and then if if the guidelines change or the rules change and how things are operated um it just becomes like a bit of a slap in the face and you feel like you're you know you're going backwards now um just as just as you thought that you've got it and and you'll be progressing and then actually know some rules have changed now so um learn more about that get trained and then advise people on it um so it has definitely been um quite challenging uh, and obviously coping with um just uh, being in lockdown and mm. um just trying to take care of yourself because i think that's really really important that when you when you're when you've been taken care of uh, and that's not you sort of like um i don't like depending on other people to take care of me and my well-being i like to explore different ways and have my own techniques of um taking care of my own well-being so that I can actually perform well at work um, and be there for my family. Um, so, yeah, and of course, you mentioned um, while being pregnant as well. So yeah. um, uh, hormones have been um, <laughs> the, the uh, yeah, I've, I've had to try and cope with that as well, because um, although it, I think that the only thing that really, really affected me while being pregnant is just not being able to show my bump to my family. Uh, I think yeah. that was back in April. So uh, that's when it was like really everybody was panicking and all of that. And my family live in a different city um, and FaceTime was just not doing it for me. I really wanted to see them face to face. So um, there was a week when I was feeling really, really down uh, and I just wanted to see them and it's just because obviously uh, we had to abide by the government guidelines and they'd be saying only travel if you uh, if, if it's essential and all of that so um it was that it, that was just really hard at the time um but then after that after i just literally met them for one day we sat outside and that literally did it for me. I was just so happy. Um, after that, my mom would ring me and be like, oh, you're coming again? And I'm like, no, no, that's it. I'm, I'm all right now. <laughs> yeah, you've had, you've had that bit of social time. But, you know, it must have been extremely difficult. And, you know, especially juggling work and everything that's going on and, you know, managing it all, you know, on your own as well. And like you say, I, by the sounds of it, as I speak to most HR professionals, you know they always come second in their own mind as well sometimes right so it's finding that time to put yourself first as well um and in terms of you know if we talk about that if you don't mind managing your own mental health in your role but also kind of like day-to-day -day life um you know how do you kind of manage your own mental health at the moment 
Um, how do I manage my own mental health? Um, I've explored different things um, to see what works for me most. Um, I kind of like to be a bit patient with things. Um, like sometimes I think, I don't know if, if you like horoscope signs, but I'm a Taurus and apparently we don't like change. So um, when it comes to change, we kind of like, um, like not want to be faced with that. We like to be in, in, in a nice routine that we're comfortable with. Um, but I've tried to, um, uh, whenever I'm faced with like a new workload, for example, um, I just try to not think of it as like all the tasks that I have to do all together. So I just split them up and that way I'm a lot more relaxed and a lot more focused. Whereas if I'm like really stressed um, about it, I won't be able to switch off. I won't be able to have that work-life balance. Um, and it's really easy to, especially when working from home, it's really easy to actually work all day long past your yeah. working hours. Um, so to be more organized and, and um, to have those tasks um, written down in, in, I don't know, priority order or whatever, um, that's really helped. Um, what else has worked for me? Um, definitely talking to people, um, just sharing experiences, um, how people feel and you know being able to communicate that with other people just makes you feel like actually you're not you're not alone you're not the only person who's dealing with with, with that issue and other people can um suggest different things that has worked for them and then you can try it and it may work for you also um i've also uh, started knitting <laughs> nice. just watched some uh, youtube videos and although like I, it actually works as well as like meditating it works really i don't for me personally it's worked really really well i'm really slow with it but um i don't know it's just taking my mind off things mm. um so yeah so that's what's worked so far i'm sure there are other things but that's the only thing i can think think about the moment yeah of course no and it's, it's great like you say it's, it's trying different things and finding what works for you because you know we always say mental health is so individual and yeah. you know for knitting is is like a mindful activity that benefits some you know i'm sure if i tried knitting i'd be awful at it and i'd probably get quite impatient and and, and throw it out the window <laughs> and and you know and i always kind of say you know my wife she realized the other day that cooking is a very mindful activity for her but you know again for me that's that's never good for my mental health because i'm an awful <laughs> cook so um, I love that. I love that experimentation and, and trying to find what works for you. And I feel like a lot of people have done that sort of during this lockdown period as well. Um, talking about sort of, you know, your kind of how you got into HR and obviously, you know, in terms of your your interests, I guess, in a way around employee well-being, occupational psychology. Um, yeah. Can you touch on that a little bit? You know, maybe where that came from? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um I, I studied psychology, um, that was my degree um, for three years and then I, I, I just didn't have a passion for anything. It was not, at the time, there was nothing that I really, really wanted to get into. Um, and I don't know why, I don't know why, like maybe the people that I was um, 
hanging out with um, maybe it was just my age at the time I was just so chilled out and just the opportunities would just come my way I honestly yeah. I don't know why I was that kind of person I'm not like that anymore um, but um, at, at the time I just thought you know what I'll just do a bit of work experience here and there and just see where I find myself um, so I did that I worked in Manchester Metropolitan University um, that was fixed term, fixed term role, and then I worked in recruitment, um, and it's just the that um, recruitment agency that I worked in, and I'm definitely not going to say that for all recruitment agencies. It's just the one that I worked in at the time, and I know that for sure. It's just that one because I also worked in a different recruitment agency, and it was completely different. Um, so, but the first one, um, it was. It was horrendous. It was like the people, the the way they were treated, um, whether it was between each other, the the way the manager was treating them, um, and just coming out of university and being faced with um, that sort of really negative energy in that workplace, uh, and how everybody just really wasn't happy. Um, nobody wanted to be there. People were looking for other jobs all the time. It was working long hours. People were treated like robots. Um, I just thought, I, I was just really shocked. And I, I didn't know anything about HR at the time um, and didn't know what, what can be done for uh, employees and, and how, um, how their productivity can be enhanced, uh, if they are happier at work, that kind of thing. So then um, I started my master's in occupational psychology. Um, and what really drew me into that was uh, employee well-being. I really wanted to know more about that. And um, I thought I'd really want to help others because the way I was treated was not it was not okay <laughs> um, so I went into that and I really really enjoyed the course um, it was at the University of Sheffield um, and then because I moved to Nottingham um, I needed to find uh, another role straight away so I went back into recruitment but a completely different sector really enjoyed that um, but because at the back of my mind, I knew I needed to get into HR because I was told that that was the most um, sort of like relatable field um, of occupational psychology if I didn't want to um, do any further studies. Um, so, yeah, um, so that's when uh, I became a HR coordinator um, at Labbrook's Coral Group or now called GVC. Um, and I've just I've just loved it since day one. It's just been really good to just um, make a difference um, to somebody's working day. Um, and especially when um, the well-being side um, came into it as well. Um, that's been really enjoyable. Nice. So, yeah. That's awesome. And, and you know, it's, it is upsetting. We've had a couple of guests now that talk about how a negative experience of them in the workplace led them to doing what the work they do now um and and that is upsetting but you know at the same time you know obviously in, in your experience as well have you seen there be a shift in in companies almost embracing mental health a little bit more focusing on employee well-being have you have you seen like an awareness shift maybe over the last couple of years yeah absolutely i mean um i'm on linkedin and um i can see that people are really proud of what they do um for their employees like the company is really proud to um 
embrace um, so many different um, well-being activities. Um, it's, it's as if it's, it's become, I don't know, not kind of a competition, but um, I think people are just really proud to show how much they're doing for their employees. Um, and also, like, if, if you want to look for other roles now, you do find um, that, one of the benefits would be something to do with employee well-being which makes me really really happy um so whether that's um promoting more like work-life balance or um just anything like that it's not just all about work um it is also just making sure that people are happy while being at work because we work for so long. We 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 work for longer than we you know spend more time at work than we do at home. Um, sometimes you go back home and you're still thinking about work. So it's really important that you're doing something um, that you love. Uh, it's it's you know um, a job where. It is important to you whatever you're getting out of it, whether it's rewarding, whether it's. Um, whatever's important to you more money whatever um but yeah i can definitely see that more people are um doing a lot more for their employees which is really good yeah definitely and, and also you know there is that debate that i i have quite a lot as well and um you know we do here at every mind as well in terms of you know awareness and action so you know yeah. a big part of the equation is the awareness and, and i stand by that i think we need to eradicate the stigma you know, in, in the workplace, outside of the workplace, because, you know, you can have mental health first aid as an employee assistance program, you can have accessible therapists, you can have all of that. But, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, if an employee or if a person doesn't feel safe to talk about it or to access that support, then, you know, we're never going to be able to sort of spark that change. So, you know, awareness is really important, but do you, do you still feel like we are lacking action? We are lacking sort of, mm -hmm. you know, maybe companies stepping up and saying, Hey, we offer this, this, or, just, just acting in general, you know, therapists available, yeah. etc. Sure. So um, I think just um, there was a, um, a, a long period of time where everybody was just talking about spreading awareness, spreading awareness about this and that. And I feel like now we've we've reached a point where we need more action. Like, okay, mm. the majority of people are aware of mental health and um, people are more comfortable talking about it um which is absolutely great um but i think more needs to be done so i don't think it's it's enough to just put a poster up to talk about it here and there and and i think for example if um we can have workshops where people um make notes relevant to them and then they 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 get out of that workshop with a plan of what they're going to do next yeah. um depending on what suits them so that that to me that's like an action plan they've got an action plan to um to to do better to develop a new technique to cope with whatever that they're struggling with whether it's stress whether it's um anything that they are struggling with so I think yeah when when there needs to be more um for people to actually start doing rather than just listening learning about it and then forgetting it forgetting all about it the next day yeah i really i really like that whole idea of an action plan you know you know lunch and learns or obviously after the covid situation but like a lunch and learn or a webinar or you know whatever it is you know a great to spark that awareness but you know what action steps are being taken after that as well um 
yeah. know, which which I really really like as well. And and we're also sort of big advocates, as as you probably are aware of of kind of vulnerability. You know, I started every mind at work off the back of my own sort of personal experience of you know mm. losing my dad to suicide when I was eighteen, and then you know not that's talking nice. about it for for a long 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 time because that's just what we do, right? We don't talk about um, know. you know what's what's impacting us. But now last couple of years being very vocal about it, and and what I found is that personal experience, that vulnerability, actually gets people talking and gets people you know realizing that actually it's human to feel, it's human to have these emotions, and it's okay to talk about it. So you know in terms of in vulnerability, like have you ever seen that in in your career? or your life where um you know vulnerability in a way has has been maybe difficult for you to embrace but once you've done it it's helped you or it's helped others um possibly i think sometimes um just going back to uh, a little bit on like spreading awareness and having those um kind of like webinars or workshops and stuff i think something i've just thought about is like um how it sometimes it, it can be um hard to get everybody to want to learn about something new and to benefit from it as well so you can't really like force someone to um although you 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 know how beneficial it is you know about like all the research that you've done and you're about to do this workshop for people and it has a lot of um, really useful information um that they can benefit from but there will still be some people that will just not be interested and they could be the people that would be struggling the most mm. um but at the same time you can only do what you can only do your best really you can't make everybody um what's the word um maybe respond in the same way um mm. as the majority um but in regards to um vulnerability i don't know um if I was to talk about myself, um, I think there was a long time where, um, like, so I, I've come, I've come from Iraq, um, and there was a long time where I wouldn't talk about that. Like, I, w- I wanted to just not think about it at all, um, and not think about everything that I've been through, um, in in 2003 so i was i was there in 2003 um Mm. during the invasion um and even though i was only 10 but really uh i kind of um i found it really really hard to cope with a lot of things um during my teenage years and then i kind of just shut it out completely and just wanted to concentrate on different things um and then all of a sudden I thought, actually, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. I've, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I just started talking about it, not, not, um, not as in bringing it up intentionally, but if we were to talk about, I don't know what happens nowadays in the Middle East or anything like that, like um, I'm more than happy to, talk about from my perspective how um how i think things should change for the better um and you know things that i've been through to 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 be where i am today um and things like that so i think um it's just definitely made me more confident to talk about something that i i kind of wanted to hide um for a long time so 
yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, it's a big big subject because it is that it's so difficult for people to as you say embrace that that vulnerability because you know we're always told and uh, you know i think mental health is very cultural it's very generational but we are yeah. always told that you know don't show your vulnerability don't show it, that because it, people you know, are too scared they're exactly. too scared of other people judging them they're too scared of like making them feel like oh you're like you feel like you're the only person with that experience mm. um but you never know like when you actually start talking about it or you your own experience as well um people will start saying oh yeah actually well um i don't know my my cousin's been through the same experience and this yeah. is what works for her or whatever um so it's it's just getting past that a little bit and not caring too much about what people think and just being yourself really well you are who you are and you you're you're here today because of you're the person that you are today because of all the experiences that you've been through in your life and yeah. that's something to embrace and you're not you know you can't change things i'd love to just go back and i i possibly i think about it sometimes and i think actually if it wasn't for the invasion, I would still be in my hometown, loving life. <laughs> Just mm. uh, my childhood was great, but I'm like, well, I can't keep dwelling on that because I can't, I can't change what happened at the time. So it's just best to keep going and, and um, just to try and um, um, make me make, make the best of, every day that comes by rather yeah. than because dwelling on the past is just not going to get you anywhere you just need to look into the future um and um yeah do better with yourself <laughs> and i think that's a great example like even as you as you're saying that i think that's the great example of vulnerability that it is inspiring like to hear the kind of adversity that obviously you had to face but now the outlook that you have of like i cannot change that that's kind of made me me stronger or that's kind of made me where I am today. And I think that's, that's the key piece of vulnerability. And I think that's the conversation that needs to be shifted because, you know, if we're talking about a business leader or we're talking about, you know, a parent, you, you feel like you have to wear that cape 24 seven and you can't show any vulnerability. Yeah. But yeah. you know, the reality is, you know, as you've already said, kind of that vulnerability is strength, you know, it shows that you've got through those, you know, darker times, adversity, and you're still here. And, we should embrace that a bit more than than feeling like we can't yeah well, we're all human why why put so mm. much pressure on yourself everybody's been through different experiences people have come from different backgrounds um so nobody's absolutely perfect um you could you could show that you that you're coping really really well or you're having the best life or whatever but you'll just be lying to yourself everybody has those days where i don't know it just feels like a roller coaster of emotions or whatever and that's absolutely fine we're like i said we're human so it's just good to be reminded that not everybody's the same and just because for example somebody is showing that they're coping really well doesn't mean that deep inside there isn't um, I don't know, some kind of sadness or something mm. that they're dealing with um, that they're, maybe they're not really, um, maybe they're struggling with. And mm. um, yeah, so it's always good to just keep that in mind and just to, maybe I think a lot of people say this a lot, but just to be kind to everyone as well because yeah. you don't know what people are going through. 
Yeah, hundred percent. No, amazing. And really inspiring as well. I appreciate you sharing that. So kind of, I always try to end it with a couple of sort of, you know, fire around questions, a couple of questions <laughs> at the end. Um, there's one that I keep asking and, and no one can no one, everyone struggles with it. So I might ditch that one today. Um, but do you read books? That's the first question. I, yes. Um, I'm not very fast, um, which, uh, which is a bit frustrating. <laughs> But you do read. So, so what's the best book that you've read recently? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's called The Positive Birth Book. <laughs> mm. Okay, tell me about that. Um, okay, so um, my uh, uh, senior member staff uh, is, already, is also expecting uh, a baby and uh, the due date is like possibly a couple of days before mine. Um, so he's going to go on shared parental leave and I've got my maternity leave um, round about the same time. Um, so that was like a bit strange, but we, we, we got to talk about like same things and his wife uh, recommended, uh, recommended this book. And it's, it's just amazing. I'm just so happy that I, I finished it now. And it just talks about how, um, people have this awful idea of, of um, childbirth and labor and how painful it is and how, um, you know, whether it's in movies, whether it's in like different programs, like One Born Every Minute, or um, whether the people just talk about it, that there's always something negative about it, obviously, because it's due with pain. But um, the book stresses, uh, that emphasizes the fact that actually it's, all in our minds so if we keep on um having those negative thoughts about um about childbirth um and labor and all that then you're just going to build this really uh, like negative awful idea of how awful it's going to be and, and you may not may or may not be able to cope and all of that and then it's it's that mentality um, that's going to make you have a, a worse time, uh, whether you're having it in the hospital or home birth or whatever. Um, and it's when you have a more positive outlook to it um, and the build up to it is, is, you know, that you're looking forward to it, that it's super exciting, that you're thinking of different ways of how to cope with pain. Um, and then that's it. And, and then finally you're going to meet your baby that you've been waiting for for nine months. Um, and then you just end up having a, a much happier childbirth. It just, it just becomes um, a lot better to cope with. And there's been so many stories in that book of the people that have had um, actually happy times um, <laughs> during that time and their experiences and, um, you know, I've, I've just really, really loved it. And that's why not for once, like, I, I do get questions like, are you scared? Um, what are you going to do? And um, like, just questions like that, that are just negative and I really don't like them. Like, um, oh, I, I wouldn't know what to do if I were you or um, how have you been coping? Because it must be really painful already and all of that. And I'm like, actually, no, it's, it's been fine. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm really excited. And just using words like that, 
has just really helped me. Um, so nice. yeah, I'd recommend the book, The Positive Birth Book. <laughs> nice, it's really cool. When um, my, me and my wife did um, hypnobirthing, so um, on her second birth, we did uh, a couple yeah. of sessions of hypnobirthing, and I was um, I went to some of the sessions with her. Oh, the lady comes to our house, shall I say? And even though it's quite awkward at first, um, you know, it really kind of helped her on her on her second sort of pregnancy. And, and she said, you know, the, the difference between her first and her second was was huge. Where she was more relaxed, she was calmer, and and even yeah. you know, it sounded very similar to that. Where you know, it, it's always in your mind. You're told it's going to be exactly. painful, it's going to be this, and and you go into it with that mindset, and you're already setting yourself up for you know a, an experience that's actually you know an experience that's that's natural and and something that you're going to remember forever. Or of course, you know, I can say that being a man, right? Um, but. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I rec, you know, I, even my wife, my wife stands by it. She says it was a lot, it was far more helpful going into it with your calming music, you know, making sure the environment was okay, doing her, yes. sort of, you know, affirmations and her sort of deep breathing. And, you know, and she got through the second pregnancy a lot better than, than the first. So yeah. um, I like that. Um, the other one as well is, is what would you do today? No, sorry, what can someone do today to help make them better tomorrow? Like, what would you advise? Oh, that's a really difficult question. <laughs> uh, put, it, put you on the spot. Oh, what can, what can somebody do today to help them feel better tomorrow? Exactly. Um, just always have something to look forward to. I think... Um, for me, that. although I do love to live like the moment and all of that, but I also really like to have something that I look forward to, do, forward to and I can be really excited about. Um, it could be little things. Like I'm, I'm honestly easily pleased. I don't know about other people, but um, it could be just really little things like, um, I don't know, making cinnamon rolls. <laughs> nice. I like that. Uh, something like that you know it's just something different that you're looking forward to and it'll be lovely and and um yeah so that's that's what i can think of at the moment i really i really like that <laughs> and I like, I, I, you made me hungry as well now with the cinnamon roll but, um but no I t it actually made me think actually because you know i've i've learned over the last i'd say year or two about the importance of acceptance and like you say being in the now and um, one of the things that I talk about quite openly is, is obviously after losing my dad, um, one of my biggest fears is I'll end up like him. So I almost become very obsessed with self-improvement. You know, I was always, always wanting to get better. And, and there comes a time where you fall into that trap of, as you say, not accepting who you are because you always want to get better. Um, but I also really, you made me realize what also gets me, keeps me going and, and makes me happy is that hope of what I'm looking forward to. And, and I think that's a really important point of, yes, we need to embrace the now and accept who we are. But at the same time, we need to have those things to look forward to, that hope, that meaning um, that we're working towards as well. Yeah. I I just don't compare yourself with anybody else. Like you are who you are. You are your own person. When you, it's when you compare yourself to other people, that's when you think, oh, am I not good enough? Or oh, this person's done a lot more in, in um, I don't know, and they're a lot younger than me in their career or whatever. And it just, yeah. But when you, when you really just take care of yourself and you concentrate on yourself, that's when you, I feel, you feel better in yourself and you succeed um, better as well. 
Nice. And then the final one, um, again, a bit more of a, a, a deeper question again. I thought um, there was only two. <laughs> no, I'm going to chuck, I'm gonna chuck a, I'm gonna chuck a special one in there. Um, what advice would you give to the younger you? So let's say the 10 year old you, because that sounds like quite an iconic sort of age. Um, what advice would you give now if you look back? Uh, but my, my, my childhood has just been so different to everybody else's. Um, so it's like when I was 10, that's when like the war started. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. that is difficult. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, what would I tell myself? Uh, oh, I don't know. Wait. <laughs> Because it must be so like, I mean, I can't imagine it. Like you said, you know, it's almost if that happened, it's it's, it's unimaginable for me, right? You know, because obviously different upbringings. You know, when I was ten yeah. years old, you know, that was that was just not happening for me. Um, you know, it's so a bit like it's a bit like the pandemic. Like, just think of what happened um, when we first heard about it, like end of March, April, and people were panicking, like panic buying and like getting so many things. And at that time, I actually, like, I didn't even panic around the uh, around that time because I, ha I had already been through that before. So mm. I knew that there was like, 10 year old me knew that there was not gonna be supermarkets open, whereas, during the pandemic I knew there was going to be supermarkets open and people mm. weren't going to starve to death and because we knew like what happened in Italy for example even though like the lockdown was a lot more strict um but still people were able to go to the supermarket or like 10 people were allowed in at a time or something like that so I didn't feel like I needed to panic um but to answer your question um what would I tell myself? Um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think um, what my parents did, which was really good, was not to scare us as well. Like we, we, they just did their absolute best to, um, even though every, like it was just madness everywhere uh, and the signs of uh, the, the the sounds of um i don't know what you call them um like sirens in sirens exactly and all of that and they'll just be telling us like it's okay there's just some music outside or whatever like things like that i'm like i know mm. i know what this is and they'll be like but don't worry it's all right and they just kept a smile on their faces and i'm forever like grateful um to them for that um i would probably just um tell myself that where like wherever i go there's gonna be a, like there's gonna be not just something to look forward to but um bad times are only temporary and um uh, I think at the time, because obviously you couldn't, it was like that uncertainty, which is very similar to the pandemic as well. That uncertainty of what's going to happen to my job, what's going to happen to this, what's going to happen to that. But actually things can work out beautifully in the end. You could worry as much as you can or get stressed about it as much as you can. But um, you never know. Sometimes it's just things just, I don't know, sometimes even magically, just work out for the best and then you survive that bad time and you just come out the other end and you're all 
you're all good and you just look back and you think i've i've done that and i've survived and it's all good now and let's look forward that. to tomorrow i love that because there's two things there that like stood out to me i think like you say it's that whole holding on you know you know these bad times will pass the storm will pass you know you just got to hold on for as long as you can because you it will eventually pass and then i think the second one by the sounds of it it's just perspective you know like you've you've and i talk about it a lot you know you you put the pandemic into perspective whereas you know other people would struggle to find that perspective and obviously you've naturally got that because of the kind of adversity that obviously you went through sort of at a younger age and 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 that's one thing i try and remind myself of is you know being grateful even if i've had a bad day at work or if you know things are going wrong or i've had an argument or you know whatever's happened it, it is that being put into perspective and almost thinking yeah. You know, there's there's worse stuff happening, right? You know, then. exactly. There's always some somebody going through worse times than you. Like I remember, um, people were complaining here about like the furlough pay, or it wasn't enough, and things like that. And I'm I'm very aware of what what what's happening in the Middle East, for example, in Lebanon and other places where people were told to sit at home, yet the work the government weren't paying them anything. So, well, they couldn't sit at home for too long because they they wouldn't be able to survive so actually just being really grateful and content as well um with what's happening around you because the the grass can be greener on the other side only if you make it greener on the other side is how you think of it but if you look at um other places in the world how other people are, have been coping it's actually a lot worse um even mm. if you are in one of those places yourself there's still going to be other people that um are in worse situations where you can feel actually i'm grateful i'm i'm doing better and and yeah I, I hope i hope the idea is um i don't know how i how I kind of explained that, but I hope no, it, I it, was, it, was, it was great. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I think it's so important. Right. And I think if there's any, if there's one thing that people can take away from that it is that perspective piece, you know, and, and putting things into perspective. And, and I also like the fact you said, you know, the grass is green on the other side, but we have to make it greener because, you know, that's, yeah. that's an empowering feeling to know that, you know, if we are struggling, we can, we can make it better, you know, rather than waiting for it to happen. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't expect this with this, you know, in, like this interview. I've I've been blown away with with how inspiring <laughs> you are. Like, and I'm not, not putting you down in any any way, but you know, I just I come into this thinking we're going to talk about HR and we're going to talk about the workplace, and and I'm <laughs> just you know I'm, I'm inspired. You know, I'm inspired by you know you're just your outlook as well. So I really appreciate you. you um being honest. If people want to connect with you, is is LinkedIn a good place for them to connect with you? Absolutely, yeah, no problem. Cool. Awesome. I think we're probably already on LinkedIn. I think. Yeah, awesome. So um, it, we'll put a little link to your LinkedIn profile in the podcast. But um, just from me, thank you so much for for taking the time out and, and joining us on the podcast.